Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Today is World Suicide Prevention Day. Thank you for joining us for this one-hour special brought to you by Salt Lake Behavioral Health Hospital and KSL News Radio. We'll learn about the unique challenges we're facing right now because of social isolation. Here is your host, Amanda Dixon, on KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM and 11:60 a.m. Thank you for joining me for a few minutes of reasons to hope. Suicide Prevention, brought to you by Salt Lake Behavioral Health Hospital. While we take a few minutes to learn what we can about suicide prevention, so many of us know someone who committed suicide or thought about committing suicide, maybe a family member or a friend. Maybe we've even had those thoughts or feelings ourselves and wondered, where do these come from? What can I do to stop having these feelings? How can I help a family member or a friend who is plagued with these types of thoughts? And so we invited Anna Lieber to join us. She is the clinical director at Salt Lake Behavioral Health Hospital to help us learn what we can to be of help to family and friends. Anna, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Amanda. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you just great. Can you hear me all right? Great. Absolutely. It's I am called, excited to be here. It's called Suicide Prevention Day, and I thought I'd start with asking you, how can we prevent suicide? Is there a way to prevent suicide? Yes. So I think those of us in suicidologists in the field absolutely believe that we can get to zero suicides. Um, it is possible, is reason for hope. Um, and I think that, you know, we do that primarily by listening and reaching out and asking questions. Who do we ask questions of? I would say anyone that you are concerned about, anyone who's struggling, um, maybe everyone, even people that we don't, um, who've gone through a crisis, who are struggling, um, you know, with a recent loss. I think we're all struggling to some extent this year in 2020 with everything going on. So I think we ask everyone, are you struggling? What's going on with you? Um, how can I help? Do you, are you aware of resources? And really just reaching out and starting that conversation. Yeah, you, you mentioned what we're going through right now. COVID-19 has brought up so many stressors in our lives and more in some than others. And so I want to ask you first if the suicide rate has gone up as a result of that. Um, it's difficult to tell um, at this time because, of course, the statistics come varying, but we do anticipate that the rate will go up. And we also know that as far as mental health problems, they have increased dramatically. So substance abuse, um, all mental health problems, anxiety specifically, we have seen a marked increase in 2020 since the COVID-19 pandemic. 
are more people calling the hotline than did say a year ago? Um, I'm do I don't have the exact data, um, but I would anticipate yes. We definitely have seen um, since about May of this year a tremendous increase in need for um, inpatient, outpatient services, and we've had more calls to our hospital. Does every does anyone who commits suicide have depression? Is that just a definition? If you commit suicide, you have depression. <laughs> um, no, that's a great question, Amanda. Actually, no. Um, people who die by suicide, um, there are multiple reasons. I think for the most part, most everyone is experiencing some emotional pain, suffering. They may have depression. It is certainly a risk factor for suicide, but not always. Um, so just having depression would be a risk factor, but it does not mean um, necessarily, suicide is pretty um, non-discriminatory in who it impacts. Because it seems to so many of us that sometimes when a person dies by suicide, you, you'll have you know they'll have seemed very down before, and sometimes you see nothing that would have yeah. would have you know given you a clue that there was anything wrong in that person's life. Yes. And, and I think that that's the difficult piece about suicide. We know that there are some very general warning signs for suicide. Um, I'd be happy to share those if you would like. Yes, please. Uh, yeah. So I think really the first one is statements, making statements related to suicide or wanting to die. Um, sometimes they can be very overt, like, I just should kill myself. Other times they could be, I wish I wasn't here anymore, or I want to go to sleep and not wake up. Um, things may be better off if I was dead. So pay, really paying attention to the language people use. Um, obviously, previous suicide attempts, self-harm are definitely warning signs. Any substance abuse is also a warning sign for suicide. Um, I would say sudden changes in behavior. So whether that is suddenly being more happy or more optimistic or more depressed. So on either end of the spectrum um, and kind of the making final arrangements, saying goodbyes that feel like true goodbyes, um, giving away prized possessions. And then obviously, gaining access to lethal means, such as purchasing a firearm, stockpiling medications, those things would all be indicators that that person may need some additional support. And sometimes none of those things. And that's the difficult piece about suicide. How often is there a triggering event, like a diagnosis of something profound or a divorce or something like that? Um. We do know that that is, there's usually some associated crisis. You know, when we think about that the desire to die often has less to do with wanting to be physically dead and more to do with just wanting to end that pain and suffering. So when there is a crisis, um, whether that's COVID-19, right, the pandemic, losing a job, divorce, then definitely suicide risk is elevated. So we need to speak to that, 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 you know, suicide is a permanent 
fix to a problem that is temporary. Yeah. That, that there's another way to end pain and suffering. Absolutely. And that's really the intervention, I think, that, you know, loved ones and definitely mental health professionals use is to th really think about how we, um, sorry, I just lost my train of thought, but really how we, how we can um, focus more on ending pain and relieving suffering versus just not dying. Because those share, are very, very different goals. Share that uh, crisis line. Do you have that crisis line in front of you at the moment, Anna? Yeah, so crisis lines are absolutely the national suicide crisis line is 1-800-273-TALK. Um, and you can also reach Salt Lake Behavioral 24-7 at 801-264-6000. 6000. My guest here in this very special uh, time on KSL when we focus on suicide prevention, reasons to hope. Anna Lieber is with us. We'll take a break and be back. And I want to talk more when we return, Anna, specifically about youth and a little bit about how we approach young people when we bring up this subject. That when we return here on KSL News Radio. Crisis comes in all shapes and sizes. Each day, it seems we face at least one or two a day. Some are small and easily handled, but others can be paralyzing. And when you're faced with that kind of a crisis, how do you handle it? Who do you talk to when you're desperate for someone to really listen? Did you know there's an app for that? It's called Safe UT. When you use the Safe UT app, you'll find crisis counselors at the University Neuropsychiatric Institute at University of Utah Health to help you 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. The Safe UT smartphone app is a statewide service that provides real-time crisis intervention to Utah students, parents, and educators at no cost. Text or chat with counselors, call someone directly, or submit confidential tips to school administrators on bullying, threats, violence, or things making you feel unsafe. When you need someone to listen, use Safe UT. It's absolutely free. Download the app free on any smartphone or visit safeut.org. You're listening to a one-hour special about suicide prevention with your host, Amanda Dixon, on KSL News Radio. Sometimes it's important to talk about the difficult things like suicide. And that's what we're doing this hour on KSL News Radio. Reasons to Hope Suicide Prevention, brought to you by Salt Lake Behavioral Health Hospital. And my guest is Anna Lieber, Clinical Director at Salt Lake Behavioral Health Hospital. I'm so grateful to you, Anna, because this sometimes is a difficult topic to talk about, especially in a public way. But thanks to you, we're doing just that. And I, I think it's it's very helpful. I want to ask you now about young people, because, in fact, I wanted to talk to you before I talk to my children, who are teenagers. I want to ask them this question, but I wanted to ask you first, should parents bring up this topic with their children no matter what, or only with children who seem to be having a problem? Oh, that is an excellent question. I think really bringing up um, depression and emotions should always be brought up no matter what. And also really talking about openly about suicide um, and self-harm, because we definitely know that that is um, a problem and they're probably hearing about it from their friends at school. Um, so I would much rather that these conversations are happening with adults and supportive adults. Would you be willing to give me a little suggestion on the language I use or should that just be, I mean, I guess that should be dependent on every parent and child relationship, but is there any particular language I should use when I bring this up? 
Yeah, I think it's really, I mean, first, show interest, find in time uninterrupted to place and to sit and talk um, and really let them talk, let them be able to express their emotions. I think so often we try and go straight to solutions. Um, and at first we just need to allow them to express their emotions and how they're feeling and be as non-judgmental as possible. Um, at what age? So, so sorry, go yeah. ahead. No, go ahead. At what age do we have this conversation? Um, I would say as soon as, as soon as we, um, as soon as they're ready, I would say definitely starting in middle school, um, okay. need to start talking about it, um, potentially even in elementary school. You know, sometimes I think that we, we limit it to just kids who seem like they're struggling socially, but sometimes it's the kids who look like everything is perfect, who are actually the ones having a problem. Yes, absolutely. Um, and I think that really right now for our adolescents and preteens, you know, with COVID-19 and the social isolation, we do know that feeling disconnected and not having social connectedness absolutely impacts mental health versus risk of suicide. So we really need to go above and beyond. Um, so, How much yeah. does social media affect um, suicidal thoughts or temptations in kids or in adults for that matter? Yeah. Um, so research, we're still doing a lot of research on that in the suicidology field. I think that really it can be both a benefit and it can harm. So I think it's really paying attention to social media is great because it helps our youth feel connected, especially when they're in quarantine and doing online school and things like that. They need that social interaction as long as it's positive. Um, and uplifting and a place of support and not increasing isolation or rejection or bullying. So I think it's just parents being involved, being aware, um, and looking at what's going on. Anna, we had a, a texter uh, that wants me to ask you, how do we overcome the stigma of the word mental in mental health? Oh, that is a good, I think we overcome it by recognizing that we all have mental health. Every one of us, we're mental beings, right? We're cognitive beings. It is just a part of every single human. And it, it, in the past, it's meant this negative commentation, like you're mental, you're crazy, right? And I think that it's just recognizing that mental just means our brains and how we, and what we do and what we feel. So if someone's listening right now and they're struggling in their life for whatever reason. I don't know. You know, they're, they're sitting in their car and not wanting to go home because they just feel cut off from their family or they can't concentrate and they feel, they feel down in ways they don't understand. Is this the person who should call the hotline or who is the person who should call the hotline? I would say any person, especially that person who's in their car feeling down and alone, because the hotline or any mental health agency um, reaching out, reaching out to a friend, um, you are not alone, right? None of us are alone, even when we're alone in our home, 
Um, we are all in this journey together. I know so many people are afraid to talk to their spouses or their parents if about these feelings. What would you say to someone to encourage them to open up to the people in their family or their friends about these feelings? I would say really thinking about that we all experience pain, loss, and suffering um, in varying degrees, and that we can all relate. So even though depression, addiction, um, definitely suicidal thoughts feel very isolating, right? And that's what makes them so um, dangerous. But truly, we're all in this together. We're all experiencing this. So just reach out. Um, There are people going through situations similar, having similar feelings. um, And hope is possible. Recovery is possible. I can only imagine, you know, if if a husband were to tell a wife or a wife a husband, I'm having suicidal thoughts, it would be a shock. But it would also be a moment where love could be expressed and and hope, hope could be found in that moment. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I think that really um, here at Salt Lake Behavioral, we really focus on involving that family as much as possible Um, and really rebuilding those connections um, and finding solutions together, you know, and that can be a time of strength where, you know, you can then support your loved one as they're struggling and recover together. Because as we know from, from families who did not have the opportunity to help a loved one who died by suicide without ever speaking up, how much they wish they would have had the chance to be of service to their loved one before that happened. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, those individuals who've lost or suicide um, loss survivors, I think that, you know, they also understand and need our support and care as well, um, because it definitely is a challenge. Where did they go for help and support, Anna? There are actually quite a few support groups for um, individuals definitely recommending you can reach out to Salt Lake Behavioral and we can refer you somewhere. And also the Utah Suicide Prevention Coalition. Um, There are many, many support groups for suicide loss survivors. Because I know that, you know, they know it's not their fault. And yet I know that there is a degree of of guilt that they feel, even though they know it's not their fault. Absolutely. Well, and and even us mental health professionals, you know, I have absolutely lost um, clients to suicide and there always is this angst um, and, you know, these emotions, it's a grieving process. And I think that we really need to just honor that just like we honor individuals who are struggling right now. Yeah. I guess that what we do is love more, uh, love better, love more openly and without reservation. Anna, you've been such a help to me and to our listeners, and I thank you for the work you do. Oh, thank you guys so much. Anna Lieber, Clinical Director at Salt Lake Behavioral Health Hospital, this time on KSL Reasons to Hope Suicide Prevention is brought to you by Salt Lake Behavioral Health Hospital, and we encourage you, 
If for any reason you feel you might want to just talk to someone, that number is 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-TALK. Or the number there at Salt Lake Behavioral Health is 801-264-6000. I'm Amanda Dixon on KSL News Radio. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.